Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, former President Trump vowing an over 60% tariff on China if he gets re-elected. More on what the penalty could mean for the global economy. Look, uh, it's not sustainable for this country to lose $500 billion a year. 140,000 comments attached to a Chinese social media post about giraffe conservation. A post from the U.S. Embassy in Beijing becoming a wailing wall for complaints about plunging Chinese stocks. Beyond concerning stocks, photos and video reveal the depths of China's struggling businesses. The busiest shopping centers now virtually empty. We look at why. And Australia is condemning China after the communist regime handed out a suspended death penalty to an Australian pro-democracy blogger. What we know about the verdict. A bold statement from former President Trump in an interview with Fox News on Sunday, he pledged he would put an over 60% tariff on Chinese goods if he wins a second term. Watch this. Now the Washington Post is saying that you're talking about 60% tariffs on Chinese goods. Is that in the cards? Uh, no, I, I would say maybe it's going to be more than that because we're going to have, look, I want China to do great. I do. And I like President Xi a lot. He was a very good friend of mine during my term. Well, look, COVID, COVID cover-up, intellectual property theft. The list is long from our number on adversaries. I don't know if he's a friend. No, but I got along with him great. Uh, I'm not sure he loved what I was doing because I was, you know, getting along with him. I don't think he wants you in the White House, Mr. No, no, he doesn't. The market almost crashed when I won Iowa and New Hampshire. The market went down Trump is the Republican frontrunner. If the plan goes through, it could have major impacts on global economies. Trump slapped tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars worth of Chinese imports in 2018. He later raised that tariff to 25 percent. At the time, the U.S. was importing more from China than it was selling. The trade deficit between them stood at over $400 billion in China's favor. Look. Uh, it's not sustainable for this country to lose $500 billion a year. Trump used tariffs to pressure China into buying more American goods. The two countries ended up signing a trade deal. Under it, Beijing agreed to buy over $200 billion in U.S. goods. Trump has also suggested he could impose a 10% tariff on almost all imports. Tariffs aside, the former president was also asked if he believes China would interfere in the 2024 election. I think they will, and they won't be interfering on my behalf. We should go same-day voting, paper ballots, voter ID, and no mail-in ballots. Would you try to stop China from taking over Taiwan? What would you do if they Uh, went to Taiwan? I won't tell you now because uh, that would really uh, jeopardize my uh, negotiating ability with China. So I don't talk about those things. The Chinese Communist Party claims Taiwan as part of China, despite never having ruled it. Washington declines to say whether it would come to Taiwan's defense if China launched an invasion. The President Biden has repeatedly said the U.S. would get involved in case of a war. The White House walked back those statements afterward, saying the U.S. policy of strategic ambiguity hasn't changed. To talk more about Trump's staggering 60% China tariff proposal, we sat down with Anders Kaur, publisher at the Journal of Political Risk. He's also the principal of Core Analytics. Now, Trump is saying that he could impose 60% or higher tariffs on China if he does get reelected. What kind of impact would that have on China's economy? 
even the threat of that is having an impact. Stocks are doing very badly in China over the last week. Um, and part of that is because they're worried about a second Trump term, which would be probably quite a bit tougher on China than the first Trump term. Um, I think we've all learned some lessons uh, in the past, and I think Trump would be quite a bit tougher going forward. Now, how likely is Trump to actually put this into practice if he gets reelected, or is this just talk? I think he's quite likely to do something. Um, one of the other uh, slightly more moderate uh, proposals is to remove China's most favored nation status, trade status. That would actually increase tariffs on China up to 40%. This is sort of his strategy. He'll praise Xi Jinping on the one hand as a person, but then he'll threaten 60% tariffs on the other hand, and he'll try to use those uh, that double-fisted strategy, if you, if you will, uh, to get uh, some major concessions from China. Now, given these talks of tariffs, and if they were to put that into practice, how would that help the U.S. in terms of U.S.-China relations? Would that give the U.S. the upper hand? Uh, the threat of tariffs certainly gives the U.S. the upper hand in, in terms of negotiations. We, um, China exports a lot more to the United States than obviously we ex export to China. So our threats of tariffs on them uh, have a greater impact, a greater threat to China than they can, than their tariffs on us, because we export less to them. So it impacts us less. Um, it does impact prices, but that impact can be relatively low compared to things like inflation. It's important to try to decouple from China because of the China threat. But I also think that the U.S. should insist and uh, influence our allies to do the same. We can't increase our tariffs unilaterally. I mean, we can increase our tariffs unilaterally, but um, it might make our exports uh, less competitive. So we need to really strongly encourage our allies to do the same. Anders Kaur, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Next, a roundup of short economic updates from inside China. First, Chinese stocks tumbled to a five-year low on Monday after regulators vowed to pull the dwindling market back toward stability. Throughout the day, shares in markets like Shenzhen and Shanghai have been toggling between big losses and small gains. Beijing's state-backed investors are trying to prop up the sluggish economy with investments. But analysts say that a full rebound in consumer confidence still appears unlikely. That's as long as the nation's housing sector stays weak. Alongside those issues, Beijing is boasting about its self-reported 5.2% GDP growth last year. But calculations from a Japanese financial commentator suggest a different picture. According to a report by Tamura Hideo, China's 2023 economy not only grew less than it claimed, it actually shrunk. The estimate centers around real estate, net exports and household consumption. Real estate drives China's economic growth. Tamura said that the decline of the housing sector, along with its related industries, may have single-handedly erased 5 percent of the total growth. And all things considered, he concluded that China's overall GDP last year may have plummeted by over 2 percent, with counting inflation. People in China are also feeling the downturn. If there is indeed such significant economic growth, why are there so many issues like unemployment, debt, fiscal problems and financial issues. Therefore, discussing economic data at the moment is really unreliable because there is no accurate and trustworthy economic data available for people to analyze and interpret. 
Tamura also called on Japanese companies to withdraw cash flow from China. He noted that the regime's suppression of information can only increase investment risks in the country. The Chinese market is bracing against yet another blow, with stock prices plunging in recent days. To voice their anger, Chinese people are flocking to an unexpected part of social media, the official Weibo account of the U.S. Embassy in Beijing. NTD's Dave Martin has more. Weibo is China's most popular microblogging site, often billed as the country's version of X. And lately, 140,000 comments have been glued onto a Friday post made by the American embassy in Beijing. The post focused on the conservation of wild giraffes, but the comments zeroed in on economic woes. Here are a few of them. One user wrote, we know they are lying. They know they are lying. They know that we know they are lying. And we also know that they know we know they are lying, but they are still lying. Could you tell me which prosperous country the above statement describes? Another added, do you want to protect me too? Giraffes are life, so am I. While one of the over 15,000 reposts asks the embassy, quote, could you spare us some missiles to bomb away the Shanghai Stock Exchange? The post was later deleted, and users turned their attention towards the Weibo of the Indian embassy in China, with some leaving comments like, I'm so envious of the Indian Stock Exchange. It's amazing. And great country, great financial market. Thumbs up to you. Others praised Indian Prime Minister Modi. Some users reported that their Weibo accounts and other linked social media accounts had been blocked after leaving the comments. Chinese authorities regularly censor Weibo posts they view as negative when they gain traction. This is Dave Martin for NTD News. Back inside China, major cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen and Guangzhou were once home to some of the country's busiest streets. Now they're showing scenes of a depression. Residents say they are shocked by what they're seeing. Take a look. This video was filmed at Sunli Twin, the area is filled with upscale restaurants and bars, but now it's struggling to attract tourists. In another video, a shop owner said her store in Shanghai was only able to survive for about three weeks, then she had to shut it down. Zooming out to the nationwide economy, China's unemployment rate is rising, and consumer sentiment is at a historic low. Some China residents told NTD that they would only buy essentials, cutting out luxuries. Others explain their businesses in China have become hard to keep afloat. More are complaining about payroll delays, with many others facing layoffs. Meaning, for many workers in the country, the upcoming New Year of the Dragon may prove to be a tough one. Beijing handing a suspended death sentence to Australian citizen Yang Hengjun. Here's what Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong said on Monday. We understand that this can be committed to a life sentence following two years. The Australian government is appalled at this outcome. We will be communicating our response in the strongest terms. 
Wang said she summoned China's ambassador to Australia. Authorities detained Yang in 2019 when he went to visit his family in China. Before that, he was working in New York and regularly posted comments critical of Beijing on X. Yang had over 130,000 followers on the platform. Beijing later charged him with espionage. Yang denies the accusations. Officials didn't give details on his charges. He had a closed-door trial in 2021. Australian diplomats were denied entry. Last year, Yang told his family that he fears he would die in detention. That's after he was diagnosed with a kidney cyst. Human Rights Watch called Yang's sentence a setback for China-Australia relations. I mean, it seemed like the Australia-China relationship was getting back onto a more stable, secure footing. But I think it's hard to see how the relationship can improve if one party is committing acts of arbitrary detention um, against another. The risk of arbitrary detention in China extends to many more foreign nationals. Based on a list of Americans currently detained by Beijing, American businessman Mark Swiden is currently on death row with a suspended death sentence. Swiden was arrested in China over a decade ago on drug-related charges. He's been held in prison since then. Then there's American pastor David Lin. Lin is originally from China and became a Christian after coming to the U.S. He later went back to China. Lin was active with house church activities there and was arrested. He's said to be released in 2030. Another is Li Kai, a naturalized U.S. citizen born in China. He was detained on a 2016 visit to relatives in Shanghai and is now serving a 10-year prison sentence for espionage. Just this May, China sentenced a 78-year-old American citizen to life in prison on spying charges. China did not give details. The State Department has warned Americans to reconsider travel to China. Next, we'd like to take a moment to share some of your comments about last Friday's show. Pundit King wrote, if they put lead paint on kids' toys, why would you be shocked seeing it in counterfeit goods? He was referring to our report on South Korea, where authorities recently found dangerously high levels of cancer-causing metals in counterfeit Chinese goods. Those products include fake earrings and leather bags claiming to be Chanel, Dior, and Louis Vuitton. Member Toy 11 said the news didn't come as a surprise and that they were shocked when a French expert said less than half a percent of food imports produced in China is inspected based on North American or European food inspection standards. Don't forget to tell us what you think of today's show, or if you have an idea for something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at ChinaInFocus at NTD.com. Coming up, Washington's closest ally in Asia, Tokyo, is trying to deliver a message to former president and GOP frontrunner Donald Trump. What's behind the urgent request? How many marijuana farms in America are linked to members of the Chinese Communist Party? 50 Washington lawmakers pressing the U.S. Attorney General for answers. And a country singer gets flagged after promoting his music on TikTok. What triggered the social media app to act? More on his story after the break here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer, a top U.S. ally in Asia. Japan is trying to send a message to former U.S. President Donald Trump. That's as he seeks a return to the White House. The message, don't strike a deal with the communist China.
Japan aims to quell Beijing's aggression to protect peace in the Indo-Pacific. Tokyo says it's been trying to rein in China's rising threats in the region for years. Senator Bill Haggerty worked for Trump as the envoy to Japan during his presidency. He said Japan is highly concerned about closer ties between China and North Korea. In recent weeks, Tokyo has repeatedly tried to speak with former President Trump. According to Trump's assistants, the former U.S. president has yet to meet with Japanese officials. Tokyo holds Trump in high esteem. Its new U.S. ambassador was reportedly told specifically to connect with this GOP top runner. Members from both houses of Congress are seeking answers from federal agencies over what they are claiming is a connection between marijuana growing operations and the Chinese Communist Party. Based on a leaked 2023 memo from the Department of Homeland Security, 270 illegal marijuana growing operations in the state of Maine have suspected links to China and were possibly generating billions in revenue. According to the Epic Times, the bipartisan group sent a letter to A.G. Merrick Garland last week expressing their concerns. They want to know how many marijuana farms are being allegedly run by Chinese nationals, especially those with potential ties to the Chinese Communist Party. They believe that thousands of illicit Chinese marijuana growing operations pose a direct threat to public safety, human rights, national security and the addiction crisis gripping our nation. In some cases, the GROW operators were also engaged in human trafficking, forced labor, drug trafficking and violent crime. Lawmakers say most of these illegal pot farms can be found in states with legalized or relaxed marijuana laws. The U.S. Senate is introducing a new bill worth $118 billion. The money would fund military aid to Israel, support allies in the Asia-Pacific region, and help address the backlog of immigrants at the U.S. southern border, among other causes. Here's a deeper breakdown of the spending. The bill introduced over the weekend pledged $60 billion for Ukraine amid Russia's ongoing invasion and $14 billion for Israel to support his war against Hamas terrorists. Besides the war-flamed conflict zones, the package also gives almost $5 billion for U.S. allies and partners facing aggression from China in the Indo-Pacific, such as Taiwan. What makes the Indo-Pacific region so critical to the U.S.? One focus there is Taiwan. Communist China has ramped up threats and aggression toward the self-governing island, especially after the Taiwanese people elected a new China hawk for president. Another flashpoint, the South China Sea. China has claimed almost the entire body of water as its own, a 2016 international arbitration ruling it invalid. Vessels belonging to countries in the region are facing frequent harassment from Chinese coast guard ships. Moving up north, China is also working with Russia to strengthen a bloc of nations called the BRICS alliance. Some have billed it as an alternative to the Western-led, rule-based international order. Although no conflict has broken out in the region, the U.S. bill is looking to stamp out any potential fires ahead of time. Beyond the foreign aid, the proposal will also pour $20 billion into U.S. border security. President Joe Biden quickly showed his support for the bill and is urging the House to pass it swiftly. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would set an initial vote on the bill, expected to happen Wednesday. Censorship on social media. Besides a clampdown on what they see as hate speech, some platforms are also targeting religious content. A country singer from North Carolina says he experienced it firsthand when a song he uploaded to TikTok got flagged. 
Let's hear about his experience. For country singer Cody Webb, his Christian faith is integral. In August, a song he posted on TikTok received a notification pertaining to what it called sensitive religious content. That is actually a song that I did not write. Um, my producer found it, uh, some friends of mine wrote it, and my producer sent it to me about a year ago, and I fell in love with it. And we sat in the, in the room and all picked up a guitar and played the song, and someone filmed it, and I posted that to TikTok. Puzzled by the incident, Cody decided to make a video sharing his experience and call out the social media platform. And it just sort of, I won't say it went viral, but it got over a million views. And um, I then posted the video uh, of the song after it came out, uh, sort of telling the story. And that, that video got millions of views. He then told his followers that he doesn't want to be divisive or to try to force people to believe what and how he believes. And that in his view, we all have the freedom to be who we are. The flagged song, If Daddy Didn't Have a Truck, expresses who he is, and he subsequently fell in love with it for that reason. Cody said that he can identify very much with the song, having been raised in a small South Carolina town as a Christian. But despite flagging his song, Cody has no ill feelings toward TikTok. Although he says he is concerned about what children, including his four-year-old daughter, will encounter when visiting social media platforms. But I feel like young people who haven't really figured out who they are yet, and they're on these platforms that can really make a big influence on who they are, that, that's what scares me, that they have so much control over that, and they could really force their agenda on the entire world if, if they're all using these platforms, you know. The suppression of religious content on social media platforms is not new. In 2020, Christian music songwriter Sean Foyt blamed Twitter and Instagram for shutting down an account that shared Bible verses about peace. While being faced with a dilemma to attract more listeners, as well truthfully expressing who he is through his music, Cody is clear on one thing that he will never stop singing lyrics with Christian content. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up on NTD, stay tuned for America's Hope with Kelly Wright. Tonight, Kelly interviews Leon Patillo, whose recording career led him to work with artists like Carlos Santana. Sensing that his life was missing something, Patillo started to doubt his path and ultimate purpose. She See how this artist is using his talent to encourage others. That's tonight at 10 p.m. after China in Focus. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.